0: This is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always... Thanks for tuning in. Voters in many communities across Michigan went to the polls yesterday. And if you're like me, you are up late watching all the results roll in and watching the trends and changes unfold. Here to help us break down some of the results and some of the storylines that emerged is MSU political scientist Matt Grossman. Matt, welcome to Detroit Today. Good to be with you. Also with us is Christine Hall. She's a staff writer for the Detroit Free Press. Christina, welcome to Detroit Today.
1: Welcome. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah. So, uh, Matt, I'm going to start with you. Give us an overall look at uh, interesting trends you noticed here in local elections. Uh, We saw a lot of things on the ballot yesterday that I think tell us a little bit about people's moods going into the presidential year next year.
2: Yeah, I wouldn't say we had a sort of an overall verdict on incumbents or against them. We we saw Karen Weaver lose in, in Flint, mm-hmm. but we saw uh, Jim Fouts uh, elected to a fourth term in Warren. Um, we did see some sign of the, the national uh, trends towards suburbanization, uh, helping Democrats in, in Livonia. Uh, with With Democrats doing well there um but but not a huge statewide uh, shift. I think we can attribute to partisanship um and then the other on the initiatives, you know, I think we had five or six school bonds pass and a couple fail um The one trend I think was that marijuana uh pro marijuana. Uh, proposals uh, didn't seem to to be passing overall, but they they still they still did pass in a few places. So there may be a sign that even if people are for uh, marijuana in general, uh, that there's still some not in my backyard sentiment surrounding the shops.
0: Yeah, um, we we did see some important changes take place yesterday here in Metro Detroit. One is the The first woman mayor elected in Livonia, the first Democrat, I think, since Ed Mcnamara, which is a really long time ago. The first majority female uh, council elected in in Ferndale, uh, an important uh, trend. And we saw uh, the first African American mayor elected in East Point. I, I think these trends, uh, these these events, I guess, fit into these larger trends that you're talking about in terms of suburbanization, in terms of the way that, that things are changing demographically here in Southeast Michigan, and that reflects around the country as well, right, Matt?
2: Matt uh, Certainly, we saw a continuation of uh, the, the suburban uh, trends toward uh, Democrats in Virginia, uh, to some extent uh, in, in Kentucky, although it was sort of limited to the, the gubernatorial race. Uh, I guess less promising for Democrats nationally is we did not see um a, a huge sign of uh high turnout uh, especially uh from uh, minority and and youth uh, voters hmm. um in some cases like Mississippi, we saw pretty abysmal uh, turnout mm-hmm. um and the the reforms um uh, that that we passed to increase uh, registration and turnout in Michigan had kind of their their first test, and we're still looking, but it, it doesn't seem like there was a, an you know incredible uh, effect of of election day registration so far.
0: Yeah, Christina, I want to talk about uh, Macomb County, which is a place you pay a lot of attention to elections and politics, and let's start with Warren. Jim Fouts wins again after. Being behind all night in the counting, at least absentee ballots made the difference for him. This is his fourth term as mayor out there. He is, of course, one of the more lively politicians we have on the local scene, often controversial. Tell us what is going on in Warren that is keeping him in office.
1: Well, I mean, a lot of people, um, you know, he is controversial. And every time something comes out, you know, you think he's. Not going to survive, and somehow he does. I think the financial war chest is probably large. Uh, There is support. Uh, The absentee voters, I think, in this case, put him over. I was watching this race last night, and um, his opponent, Kelly Collegio, who's city councilwoman, who actually worked for him many years ago, was winning on election day totals. Uh, But the AV votes came in after one, and when they came in, he won, which Mm. is kind of what I thought could happen based mm-hmm. on what I saw in the primary, mm-hmm. which was a lot of AV votes. Yeah. Um, and, you know, sometimes people say those are seniors. He tracks the seniors. Um, and despite the controversies, you know, he continues to get um, attention. But also in some people's minds, I think things done. He is one of those people that people have said he responds to me. He calls me on Saturdays. He, <laughs> you know, if I have a problem, he makes something happen. But then there's the flip side of. Um, all of the, you know, particularly these uh, purported tapes that have come out, and he said they're manipulated. He said it's not him; um, they're political foes. But somehow, he, at the end of the day, keeps going. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, is is the is the vote in in Warren this absentee vote? Is that something that we haven't seen before in that city? Is that something that emerged last night in in a different way?
1: Um. I don't know. I I know that, um, you know, in the primary, the absentees were, you know, significant. Mm -hmm. So I think, but that primary field was so wide. uh, There were so many people running at that time. And, you know, he had won handily in the primary, but there were so many people splitting the rest of that vote. So I suspected uh, that that would be very important. Uh, I believe um, uh, his opponent, uh, Kelly Collegio had told me that they were pushing, you know, on the AV votes. So I had a feeling that that's really where that would uh, play out in some capacity. Mm -hmm. And and it did. Uh, It was very late, um, obviously, but it showed that uh, that's, that's where it was. I mean, he got nearly 58% of the total vote, Um, But if I did my math right, about 60 percent of the AV votes. Hmm. So that was significant. Wow.
0: Matt Grossman, of course, uh, Proposal 3 last year changed the way that we're able to vote here in Michigan, made voting easier, opened up access to a lot of people who maybe didn't feel like they could easily access the ballots before. One of the changes had to do with absentee voters. Is that one of the things perhaps that we're seeing in Warren?
2: well we do do want to track it and of course there were multiple components we also made it easier to to register um and uh to to get an, a no reason absentee uh, ballot um so there was there's multiple pieces um but i don't know if this this particular thing sounds more like uh, about the demographics of the people who usually participate in the in the uh, early early voting rather than uh, an increase um, and then in in flint um, it looks like you know turnout turnout may have been, even been lower than uh when Weaver was first uh, elected um, with no huge increase in in alternative kinds of uh, voting so uh the 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 verdict is still out um, but but no you know no, no transformation
0: so far yeah. My guests are Christina Hall, staff writer for the Detroit Free Press, and Matt Grossman, director of the Institute for Public Policy and Social Research and associate professor of political science at Michigan State University. We're talking about Election Day yesterday and all the results that we have to sort through today. What does it tell us about local trends? What does it tell us about national trends? What does it tell us about 2020, a presidential year that is just around the corner? If you want to join the conversation, give us a call and tell us which races you you were following yesterday? What happened in your community if you had elections yesterday? Uh, What was the thing that motivated you to get out and vote? What did your voting place look like? Was it crowded where you were? Was it looking pretty slow? Uh, Also tell me uh, what you're thinking about the the changes that we're seeing in local politics. Uh, Lots of first happening yesterday lots of things happening that hadn't happened in many many years Uh, and tell me what you're thinking about as we start to look toward 2020 as always the number on the phones here is 313-577-1019 that's 313-577-1019 you can also go to the wdet facebook page and put comments there or you can go to twitter and hashtag detroit today We'll try to work you into the conversation. Uh, Christina, I want to talk about East Point. Uh, In addition to electing the first African-American mayor, somebody who had been the first African-American council person there a few years ago, they also had an experimentation with ranked choice voting. Uh, Talk about what that is.
1: Um, Yeah, so this was a new method for them. Um, This actually came after the city Earlier this year settled a 2017 voting rights lawsuit that was filed by the Department of Justice. Um, And basically with ranked choice voting, you rank candidates in order of preference. Um, At this point, um, they are supposed to be going through those votes today and uh, probably have results in the council race today. Now, Mm -hmm. the mayor's race was not apparently included in that ranked choice voting, but the council race was. And... um, we hope to get results on that today, and also uh, New York City voters apparently approved ranked choice voting last night, hmm. and so this is something that uh, you know that they will have an opportunity to do as well at some point in the future. Yeah, um,
0: my my concern would be how how people come to understand how to do that. I mean, it's such a different way of voting than we're used to. It, <laughs> like it you is. You go to the ballot and you go to the voting booth, and and you get to you get to. Vote more than once
1: <laughs> yeah you get your your preference it's not just uh, the one person right um, and and so actually East Point had um, put together some information on their website to kind of explain to folks in fact a little video I believe it had post-it notes in there and to kind of explain to folks how this worked. Um, and, and they had four people running for two four year council seats. Um, and so this informational page obviously would have been helpful to voters out there, Mm -hmm. um, who would have experienced this for the first time in this election. Um, and so we will see how, I guess that turned out, um, you know, who our top vote getters are hopefully today. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, and you know, I don't know if anybody else in the area will, will end up going this route at some yeah. point, but obviously, I think people are watching that mm-hmm. um, to see how that worked out for the city. I know um, I had uh, some contact with the current mayor um, yesterday, and um, it sounded like she was at city hall, and things were going well yesterday mm-hmm. at some point. So I'll be curious to see today.
0: Yeah, how that all turned out. How that
1: all shook out. Sure. And Um, we
2: do have some um, studies of the experiences in in San Francisco and Maine and some of the other uh, places that have adopted uh, ranked choice voting. Uh, earlier and people do express some confusion in the first year um, but but tend to learn pretty fast um, and it it also tends to change candidate behavior a bit as as you can't uh, <laughs> you can't go completely negative against <laughs> your uh against your sort of closest uh, competitor often because uh, you you also want the the second choice uh, votes of of that candidate's uh, supporters um so we we have some experience um, with it, and and people do not have to select um, uh, all of those candidates, even in races where you can select up to three candidates. People often don't um, do that, so um, it, it isn't it isn't the case that you know you, you have to completely understand it to participate. But in other places, there has been some confusion in the first year, and then people have learned.
1: And I know the Justice Department had kind of alleged with this because this came from a lawsuit um, that the city's prior at large method of of um, election for council resulted in, in black citizens having less opportunity than white citizens to participate in the mm-hmm. political process mm-hmm. and elect candidates of their choice. So this was a way to to um, to write
0: that. Yeah. Uh, I, I want to talk some about the referendums that we saw yesterday, the marijuana votes that we saw yesterday in particular, this idea of communities opting out of legalizing the sale of recreational marijuana in in their borders there were a lot of these on the ballot yesterday most of them voted not to have marijuana sales in their in their cities Uh, matt grossman uh, talk about that trend and what we what we're learning from it
2: yeah so some they were not all uh straight up or down votes some of them were were um you know were would in increase or decrease but um but yeah, there did seem to be a trend um toward um voters uh, not necessarily uh approving uh more uh or some marijuana businesses in their uh localities um there's sort of an argument for for waiting and seeing um by by opponents of of these um because we will get to see in the spring. Um, what the cities that that do how the cities that do allow uh, marijuana sales um, turn out, uh, so it could be that that some of these will change uh, after they see uh, the results um, and the there certainly will be money on the side of of opening up uh, sales in in more places um, but it does. I reflect a, a national pattern where um, you know money to pass something is is usually not as effective as money to to stop something um, from being passed on on the ballot. Mm-hmm. So uh, we'll we'll get to see if if this continues. Uh, but but uh, I think we can say so far that even if people were okay with with marijuana legalization statewide that doesn't necessarily imply that they're okay with it in their own community.
0: that they want it in their own communities right right uh let's go to anthony in downtown anthony welcome to the program
2: hi how you doing steven yeah um i voted yesterday in allen park on the um marijuana referendum mm-hmm. and i was, i'm so disappointed in past obviously because i'm a medical marijuana person okay but um I think it would have a chance next time around if we did it again because it was kind of being spearheaded by, like, a guy with a goofy reputation here in Allen Park. But it passed in neighboring Lincoln Park. I'm just hoping that our city doesn't get a dime of tax revenue since they're so
3: dumb they decided to that way.
0: Well, well Anthony, I, I appreciate the call. Uh, and the sentiments. And, and if you're somebody who lives in a community that voted on a marijuana ordinance yesterday, give us a call and let us know how you voted on that, what how it came out, and uh, whether you're disappointed <clears throat> with the results. Also, give us a call and tell us if you had... Tax issues on the ballot yesterday, school bonds, millages, there were lots of these around the state of Michigan yesterday. How did uh, they turn out in your community? How did you vote on those issues? Do you feel like we need to pay more taxes in some cases to get better services and better things for, uh, yeah, for our kids and for our cities in terms of parks and things like that, or do you feel like you're just overtaxed and you're tired of government asking you for money? Again, 313 1019 is the number on the phones, uh, 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. We'll work into the conversation. Let's go to Glenn in Gross Point Woods. Glenn. Welcome to the show.
3: Hey, hi, Stephen. Hey. Hey, uh, reason for my call well, it was the local race that motivated me. It was just, uh, I shouldn't say just, but it was a city council election, and uh, I think we had Judge and, you know, um, millage. But the thing that was most interesting was there was an individual uh, running for city council, three-time uh, incumbent, Richard Shetler, Jr., who uh, got in a little bit of a kerfuffle fluffle, um, in the last few months with his accessing Uh, email lists of city residents it made uh the trade free press as an article and our local papers and what had happened is he foiled access to get all the email addresses of all the residents which city made a mistake um in doing it but anyhow he sent out several email blasts after being told (laughs) by the city attorney to not do it Anyhow, it got a lot of people going, and i 'll be honest i mean i 'm not always running to the polls uh, for you know city council and uh, interestingly enough, I thought for sure you know he spent the most on the campaign from what I checked, you know lots of fundraisers, and so far from the results, uh, you know I think the citizens of Gross Point Woods were not happy with his tactics, and it looks like he was in last place wow. they checked
0: wow so so he lost he lost the race. Uh. Uh, yeah, so
3: I thought it was uh, interesting that, you know, that I, – and I didn't think it would move the needle. I thought, you know, most people would be apathetic and wouldn't get enough information. And uh, people went to city council meetings to ask the city to make some uh, changes, like myself and some others. And uh, they finally – what they did was they used that same email blast and send it out to the, you know, all the people that were affected and said, hey, this is what happened. And I don't know if that helped, but it was, uh, you know, interesting to see – Yeah. How people get motivated. Yeah,
0: Glenn, I'm glad you called and, and gave us that really great example of the way elections play out on Election Day. Matt Grossman, we are seeing a little more rancor, I think, in local politics. People getting a little more riled up about things, people doing things when they are candidates that maybe reflect more of the national tone of politics than we have come to expect from, from local politics. I, I think... Part of what Glenn is talking about there is this sense of rancor and maybe urgency among local candidates that that does get people motivated.
2: Well, we, we have seen the overall nationalization of our, our politics. Um, more people, you know, know who the vice president is and fewer people know who the governor is because <laughs> they're paying more attention to national media um, than uh, state and local media. Um, but the there still are you know localized <laughs> circumstances and and races and in elections where we're talking about you know seventeen percent turnout or so we can um certainly have um you know some some influence from from local tactics um my, Lansing and East Lansing both saw a an incumbent lose um, on kind of very localized concerns uh, last night as well. So um, it's, it was true in in my area um, that that you can still get um, that you could still win on uh, local issues or get in trouble on on local um, issues. Um, in terms of tactics, it's just really hard to say what's what's gotten <laughs> better or worse um, every time you you say uh, you know it, it looks more acrimonious now. You go and look at some of the the previous. Uh, campaigns and find some good examples from, from before as well. So I don't know if we can say um, it's getting more acrimonious uh, overall, but but certainly there's a chance for those national political tactics to filter down to
0: the mm-hmm. local level. Yeah. Again, Glenn, thanks for the call and the thoughts. Let's go to Colleen in Plymouth. Colleen, welcome to the show. Good morning. Hey.
3: Um, I have been elected off and on for the last 25 years, and I would just like to say that it is so disheartening to have such a lack of local media covering elections. Hmm. Uh, There was a very close race for mayor in Livonia, Uh, in my opinion, the right candidate won by 164 votes out of thousands, tens of thousands of votes. Mm -hmm. But her opponent would not meet her in public, would not debate her, despite repeated invitations to do so. And nobody knew about it because there's no local coverage. Hmm.
0: Colleen I appreciate the call and the comments as a member of the local media I would have to say that I think I share the same frustrations that you do that that we don't have the resources that we used to have in place to be able to cover local elections the way we used to Christina Hall you're somebody who does cover local elections when they come up talk about the challenge of keeping up with all of these different issues in lots of different communities with fewer people.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm covering, you know, Macomb County and I've been here for many years and uh, I'm I'm the person covering Macomb. So trying the, to person, the right. person, you know, yeah. in terms of covering Macomb and, you know, like particularly last night, obviously, um, you know, we knew that the race in Warren was going to be a big deal, uh, depending on how that went. Um, and also in East Point you know, which is a smaller size wise computer community, Mm -hmm. um, but they had significant issues there. And I think, um, you know, I had done a a story ahead of time, kind of trying to look at some of, I realize everything is significant for the local folks in terms of that broader audience, at least that I was addressing in terms of some of the highlights. Um, And it's, it, it can be challenging as one person to, to dig down, you know, into each place. Um, but it's um, it's a challenge I think everybody in the media business has because of fewer resources. Um, and, um, you know, kind of keeping your ear to the ground as best right. as you can <laughs> right, right. Um, is important. Um, and um, keeping your eye on on what you think might be significant in the area that you cover. And, and I cover a lot of Macomb issues, um, and have dabbled in some Oakland issues, but um, you know, somebody told me one time that all politics is local. So, mm-hmm. um, and I think a lot of things too. I've noticed, at least with some groups uh, that I've you know follow online, that, you know, there's a lot of social media groups that kind of have exploded in these communities, um,
0: and are keeping track of and things are keeping track that- of
1: every movement of every person. And, you know, in some cases it might be bias maybe in one direction or bias in another direction, um, but it's it's kind of like the residents have really, um, well, you assume they're the residents, they could be anybody because mm-hmm. it's social media, sure. um, kind of, you know, taking a literally a piece by piece look at every following of what's happening with every piece of literature and every, you know, robocall and everything that's happening out there. Um, it was interesting, I go back to Warren because we were just talking about the um, the registered voters and people who actually come out to mm-hmm. vote. Um, you know, I was kind of following something in the primary. And, you know, if you watch certain comments on certain pages, you would think that this person out of the blue might end up winning in a primary. And that didn't happen. Um, but I, I was talking to, um, when I was talking to Kelly Collegio for a prior story, she said the city had about 88,000 registered voters. And just under 17,000 people voted in the primary for mayor. And about twenty four thousand voted for mayor Tuesday. Hmm. So you know, there's yeah. you know, there's That's always brand, right? Yeah. <laughs> <so, laughs> I think so. Yeah. Um so you know, it's it's um it can be challenging to, yeah. to deal with every community. And, you know, some community might be fairly quiet for a while and then one thing happens and, and there's and an explosion and up. they yeah. get worked up over something particular. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Matt Grossman, I want to talk with you just briefly about Livonia in particular, which I think is a really interesting uh, community in terms of what what we saw on election day yesterday. The first woman mayor elected first Democrat since Ed McNamara. This is about I think, the suburbanization of Democratic voters, that they are, in, they are showing up in, in larger numbers in communities that used to be solidly Republican.
2: That's true, and it's especially true in uh, the suburbs of large of the largest cities um, nationally, so we didn't see it as much in 2018, for example, in the the suburbs of our our smaller cities um, in in Michigan, but we certainly saw it in uh, in the Detroit suburbs in 2018 and so this is uh, a continuation of of that trend and and something that we also saw in the in the wider d c uh, area last night in in Virginia as well um, so it does seem that at least that trend uh, for from uh, Trump's election in 2016 uh, is is continuing, um, and we um, you know we will probably continue to see uh, some suburban movement uh, towards uh, the the Democrats, um, and that is to, to, to connect it to the last conversation that is made possible uh, um, in part uh, by the the sort of lack of, of attention to, to local races compared to national partisan trends. We have some good evidence from when newspapers closed due to a strike or from um, media outlets that have to cover multiple states because they're on the border, um, that whenever uh, people get less uh, information about their local uh, candidates, they tend to follow more national political trends and and just vote the party line uh, more often. Mm -hmm. Uh,
0: Let's go to Terry in Detroit. Terry, welcome to the program. Good morning,
3: everyone. Hey, Hey, Stephen, I've got a solution for the last caller's dilemma. We do need more resources covering local, and the way to do that is to get a subscription to our local newspapers, whichever one that is in your community, buy it, make some contributions to your local public radio station. We need to be willing to pay for quality media. Mm
0: -hmm. Amen, Terry. (laughs) (laughs) You won't get any pushback from me about that. I mean, I think that's one of the things that the industry is still struggling with is how to make it clear that. In order to support quality coverage and quality media, that that uh, we need money and we need people to support that. So, thanks uh, for the call and the support, and uh, that's a great place to end this conversation. Christina Hall, staff writer for the Detroit Free Press, thanks very much for being with us here on Detroit Today. Thanks for having me. And Matt Grossman, director of the Institute for Public Policy and Social Research, and associate professor of political science at MSU. Always great to hear from you as well. Thank you. All right. Up next, we're going to talk about legislation that passed the State House to make it easier for people to clear up their criminal records. Stay with us on Detroit Today.